Going through change is difficult. Whether it's you who's changing, your friends, or the company you're working for, transitions can be a tough time for anyone. While it seems many people have learned how to deal with change in their personal lives, plenty of mistakes are still made when communicating to employees during transitions in the workplace. So why is that? What are companies missing when it comes to transition communications? Well, we're going to discuss it on this episode of Wrong Story Short. Hi, and uh, welcome to the fourth episode uh, of Wrong Story Short, uh, Braithwaite's podcast uh, that delves deeply into some of the mistakes that companies make in their communications, uh, and then we talk about some of the corrections they can make to make them uh, better than they possibly could be. Uh, Today, uh, on our show, I have Alex Dalglish. Uh, She's an associate vice president here at Braithwaite and has been with uh, the company uh, almost since the beginning. Hey, Joe. Happy to be here. Good. Good to have you. On our uh, podcast, we're going to be talking about communications, uh, specifically transition communications. Talk a little bit about what that means, some of the mistakes companies make in their transition communications, and talk a little bit uh, about some of the strategies that companies can employ to make sure that, that they're as good as they can be. First question, Alex, I want to talk just a little bit about what exactly transition communications are. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about them uh, and are, have gone through various forms of transitions as a company, but kind of what are some of the, the biggest transist reasons uh, for transition communications uh, from an internal standpoint? Yeah, so transitions happen to every company. The most commonly known form of a transition is a merger and acquisition. So when a company's joining with another firm or being acquired, being sold, um, acquiring someone else. But really, it goes a lot farther beyond that, too. So there is it, any change in leadership is a point of transition, any departure of a group of employees, um, any new offering that's being added. So there are countless points of transitions that companies need to be aware of, and a lot of the same principles really resonate that we'll be talking about today. Um, but the biggest thing to think about is that anytime there's going to be some sort of a change, employees can get uncomfortable with that. They're going to be nervous. They're not going to know how, to, how it affects them. So you really need to think about what is going to affect them and what needs to be communicated. So it comes down to change management. Mm-hmm. And today, I think I want to focus on the first one you said, the biggest one, uh, which is M&A. You know, we deal with a lot of that from from a, from a communication standpoint here at Braithwaite for many of our clients. Is there a stock set or standard set uh, of internal communications that every company who's going through an M&A has to have or has to deal with, uh, or does it vary by company or by state or whatever it is? It definitely varies by company, by organization, by situation. But there, the, the best way about thinking about it is not the set of communications that you have to answer to and build. It's the audiences that you need to speak to. And then after you figure out those stakeholders, then building out the frame of communications to them. So you know that there's always going to be internal stakeholders. And are there various subsets of that? Are you acquiring a company and you need to think of the employees at both firms and how they might be thinking of it? Um, External audiences. Is it a publicly traded company that there's investor relations? Are there, uh, is there media involved? Are there other organizations or community groups that you need to be aware of? And then once you have those organizations identified and those audiences, that's when you can start breaking down the structure. So do they need a letter? Do they need an email? How many times do they need to be communicated to? Uh, do you need to worry about cultural elements? So long story short, there's really no set of standard communications. Mm-hmm. 
And I know something that this is something we talk about a lot with clients when they're going through M&As or transitions of almost any kind uh, is having empathy for your for your employees. Um, a lot of the times leadership, I think, um, can, can kind of caught up in the details of going through these huge transitions. There's a lot of things on the table, a lot of moving parts. Um, but something they often miss is empathy for those who are kind of on the receiving end of this. Why, why is that? Definitely. So that's one of the biggest problems with the way that most people address M&A communications and, and transactions. Because first and foremost, there's a financial component to it. So it makes sense that executives are living in this financial zone. They've been going through corporate due diligence and sifting through tax returns and figuring out if the deal's just going to make sense from a bottom line standpoint. And that clouds uh, people's mentality of how to kind of handle transaction communications. Because that, to most executives going through it, that's the biggest hurdle. So they feel like when they get through the due diligence, they have crossed a big item off their to-do list and almost the rest of it they forget about. Um, The other reason I think that empathy is lacking is that a lot of companies don't realize that their employees or other stakeholders are just hearing about this for the first time when the announcement is made. Um, executives, other leadership have been living in the world of knowing this M&A is occurring for months, sometimes years. So they're familiar with it. They've already gotten comfortable with it, and they forget that other people, it, it's new for them. Right, right. So obviously empathy and kind of understanding uh, where other people may have some issues with the transition or what have you is a big issue. What are some of the other challenges that companies go through uh, when it comes to M&A communications or, uh, or transitions in general? Definitely. So there's two big challenges that most companies face in, and two things they do wrong, quite frankly. The first one is that they start way too late. So that same mindset that the executives get in, that it's all about financial and due diligence and making sure the deal works, it kind of, uh, they have a blind spot to what else needs to be done with it. So They get very caught up in those details and working with the leadership of the other organization or other consulting groups that they forget to think of how their employees need to be told about this. Um, So a lot of times communications start too late and they're an afterthought and then everything is really rushed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of goes right into the second biggest problem is that most organizations look at M&A communications as a one-off activity. So They'll get behind the eight ball, they'll be delayed, and then they'll say, oh, wait, we need an email to our employees to let them know that we're going to be announcing this to the public. Somebody go write that. And then they'll think the next day, "Uh, uh uh-oh, we need to make sure that our customers are aware of this Mm -hmm. or that the board is aware that we're announcing it tomorrow. And they'll ultimately assign responsibilities for these one-off pieces to various groups. So someone in HR will write the employee notice. Someone in uh, communications will write the press release. Someone on the executive team will write the board letter. And ultimately what happens is there are a ton of resources being dedicated to, to these communications which is unnecessary in a lot of cases. And they're happening concurrently, so the message is not consistent, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. If you have five different people writing five things, they're all going to write it in a different way. And that is a huge problem. You need to make sure that the message is consistent and valuable and really structured, and that's kind of an overlooked thought. Mm -hmm. So going back to what you first said, you said that companies kind of tend to start too late uh, when it comes to planning for transitions and transition communications, when should they start planning? Obviously, these deals kind of come together sometimes over the course of years, like you said. Sometimes they come together a little bit quicker than that. 
Um, so when should or what what's the point where companies should start planning for these mm-hmm. communications? So we look at transaction communications as having five phases. So the first phase we call the pre-go phase. And as soon as a transaction looks like it's going to happen is when the communication should start being planned. And that's that that pre-go phase. So you know that it's going to happen in a couple of months. You're going to announce it. It's going to There's going to be some time, and then it's going to actually occur. Um, that's when a communications team should be brought in to start identifying who those stakeholders are, what are going to be the touch points that you'll be communicating and when, and then you can start structuring the actual communications materials. The next phase then is Um, what we see is the go date. And this is a lot of times what publicly traded companies will see as the first communication point. Um, And that is very important to prepare for because you need to have all the materials done in advance. The other piece that happens in that pre-go phase that a lot of companies overlook is putting together the master messaging for the deal. So why is it happening? Obviously, what is happening, the details of when, um, and then how each different audience is going to be affected by it. And if you get that master structure in place, it's a lot easier to put together every communication down the road. All right. So you, so you mentioned um, the, the pre-go date and the go date. Uh but you also talked about kind of how companies tend to stop uh, communicating once you know once a transi- the transaction is complete, uh, we're done, everything's over with. Um, but why is kind of that a mistake that so many companies make, or what's wrong with that? Yeah, that is a another very large problem. Um, so there's with those the five phases that I mentioned, we have companies. There's a pre-go phase; people are starting to get excited. That's when they need to be planning. We have the go date, which is usually the announcement that a deal is going to happen. Um, the third phase then is a pre-close phase, as we call it. Um, pub- in private deals, a lot of times these get condensed together, but ultimately there is then a close date, which would be the fourth phase. And that's when most people will release everything. So it's this mass release of a press release, of employee communications, cu- customer letters, uh, everything you could kind of think of. And then the entire team shakes hands, they say they've done a good job, and they think it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, it's that last phase, which we call the post-close phase, which is really, really critical. And when you think about it, it's it's kind of the 100 days after that that are most important. Uh, if you think about when a new employee starting at a job, their first 100 days are critical to how they think of the company moving forward. And this is really like a new first day for these employees at, mm-hmm. at any company, whether they've been sold or acquired or um, they are on the acquiring end. They're, they're, their life is changing. Sometimes they might not feel as though they know their job will still exist. Will their job change? Will they be working with new people? And one single communication isn't going to put people at ease. They need to have repeated communications to know how it's going. How are they supposed to be working with others? How are the two cultures going to blend together? And ultimately, the more communications that you can put in that 100-day period across a variety of channels, don't just settle for email. Mm -hmm. Do emails, do town halls, do posters, do voicemails, do videos to just get the, the employees comfortable with what's changing and show them that you care. All right, so last question. We kind of talked about a, a few different things over the past uh, 15 minutes or so, but I want to kind of come together, come to a close with maybe four or so uh, different questions that every piece of transi- transition communication should answer. Are there kind of this these four you know ideal things that all employees want to know 
whenever something like this is happening for them. So the first question you need to answer is, what is happening? Don't just breeze over the the one detail and just leave a lot up to interpretation. Answer as much of what is happening as you can. The next question that everyone will ask is, when is it happening? Is it today? Is it next week? Is it next month? Is it yesterday? Make sure to give a very specific answer on this or employees are going to be asking you repeatedly. The third question is, why is it happening? Are you doing this because business is down, because business is good, because this is a new offering you want to expand into? Um, Get that very clear out there and give as, as much detail as you can. And the fourth question, this goes back to the empathy point that a lot of companies miss, is how is this going to affect the audience you're speaking to. So those first three points for every communication are are going to be very standard. You might release a little bit more of why this is happening to your employees than anyone else, but generally it will be the same. But for how it's going to affect me, you should really focus on the particular audience and what it will change. So for employees, is it going to change who they work with, how they work, whether they'll have a job? For clients, are they going to see a different company name on their invoice the next month? Things like that. So it's even something as simple as uh, what name is going to be on my paycheck that some people have questions about or what's going to, how are my benefits going to be affected? All these types of questions that I think people just either assume that HR will take care of and they don't need to say in communications uh, or they just completely overlook, but they're, they're critically important. Oh, yes. And while those questions aren't necessarily the best to fit into that initial letter, right. they have to be answered mm-hmm. because if you don't tell your employees how it's going to be affecting them, they're not going to listen to anything else you say. They're going to be so focused on the fact that, is their benefits changing? Are they going to get paid differently? Are they going to lose certain PTO that they have? Mm-hmm. They're, they're never going to hear why you're making this change. Right. And one, one thing I just want to clarify, um, I think sometimes when people think of M&A, they think of these massive companies who are buying these smaller companies and you know they don't really need to worry about it too much. But I think, um, at least from our experience at Braithwaite, it's mostly those medium to smaller size companies who deal with M&A where it's such a huge change for these employees, where it's even more important than it is at the bigger companies. Definitely. A lot of of employees at large companies assume that a merger and acquisition is going to happen at some point. Or maybe they've worked for a company where it's happened before. Um, But for smaller companies that have 50, 100 employees, 30 employees, it's a much more monumental change because it can rock their world and their culture that much more. Great. Well, Alex, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for talking M&A and uh, communications today. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, until next time, uh, we will see you uh, back here uh, on Anchor, on iTunes, uh, now on Spotify, believe it or not. Uh, so give, a, give us a listen there. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. See you next time. Bye.